Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, December 14th. Coming up, a year ago, a derecho caused major damage as the storm swept across the Midwest and the Plains. There's not a lot of historic data on these extreme wind events, and scientists can only speculate how they'll fare with climate change. You're probably going to be seeing them in places or at times of the year where you didn't see them before. Plus, people with drug and mental health issues or problems arising from military service are often trapped in a cycle that puts them in jail over and over again. If we basically send that individual who's non-treated through the court process, the likelihood that once they get done with that court process of it happening again because they haven't gotten treatment is high. We'll hear how a new court program in Johnson County is working to divert those people into treatment. But first, some headlines. The Kansas City Board of Police Commissioners did not choose a new police chief yesterday after two hours of debate behind closed doors. Mayor Quinton Lucas and others have wanted the hiring process to slow down. They say the community deserves more information about the three finalists to succeed former Chief Rick Smith. Now Lucas says the board will gather more background on the candidates. Making calls to either in this agency, past chiefs, other agencies, current commissioners, chiefs, mayors, etc., to make sure that we're going through everything we need to to evaluate everyone. The board says it will meet again tomorrow to talk about the finalists. In the running are Kansas City Acting Deputy Chief Stacy Graves, Inspector Deshaun Beaufort of the Philadelphia Police Department, and retired Lieutenant Colonel Scott Ebner of the New Jersey State Police. After a spike in COVID-19 in late November, case numbers have leveled off, but are still keeping Kansas City hospitals at capacity. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. The metro area averaged 152 cases per day in the week ending December 3rd, according to the Mid-America Regional Council. That's down from 178 cases the week prior. But the metro could be headed toward a spike as hospitals see more people showing up with COVID in their emergency rooms. At the University of Kansas Health System, there are 38 people hospitalized due to COVID-19. Usually, that number is in the mid-20s to low-30s. Last week, 76 people were hospitalized per day in the metro area. Incoming Kansas Attorney General Chris Kobach says he'll nominate a former campaign opponent to head the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. Tony Mativi ran against Kobach in the Republican primary for attorney general this year. Kobach says he picked Mativi because of his experience serving as an assistant U.S. attorney for more than 20 years. During one of the debates on the campaign trail, Mativi touted that work. I prosecuted in the DA's office, the AG's office, and the United States Attorney's Office. Everything from speeding tickets to murder cases, drug trafficking to kidnapping to bank robbery to domestic and international terrorism. Kobach officially takes over as Kansas Attorney General next month. If confirmed by the Kansas Senate, Mativi will replace retiring Director Kirk Thompson as head of the state's top law enforcement agency. We'll be back after this. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. 
Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. Many people end up in the justice system because of issues with their mental health, or drugs, or PTSD from serving in combat. But jails and prisons aren't usually well-equipped to treat those underlying issues. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports that's why some Kansas City area jurisdictions are setting up courts that specialize in helping those people. Right, faith. Mark time, march. Close ranks, march. In a packed courtroom in Johnson County, Eddie Luster stands for his fellow veterans as they present the United States flag. Forward, march. After two years of work, today is Luster's graduation day from Veterans Treatment Court. This whole thing is like grace and mercy. Grace means getting something good that you don't deserve. That's what this is. Mercy is not getting something bad that you do deserve. Luster spent three years in the U.S. Army, served in the National Guard, and deployed in Saudi Arabia. But after he left the service, he was still grappling with the emotional toll. It led to him acting out, to the point where he ran afoul of the law. Usually, he would have gone to court and been put on probation. In Johnson County, though, he had the option of Veterans Treatment Court. The aim of specialty courts is to get people treatment, instead of punishment with the hope it will keep them out of further legal trouble. The process can take anywhere from a year to two years to complete. It's tough. That's Mike Rawls, Luster's mentor through the process. It's taking your entire life and turning it upside down, inside out, around, and getting through that and going forward. Each veteran is assigned a mentor when they enter an agreement with the specialty court. The first specialty court program in the country was a drug court in 1989 in Florida. That model spawned a variety of special courts focused on other issues, like mental health, domestic violence, and challenges faced by military veterans. The courts have to be approved by county commissioners. Then the biggest obstacle is usually money, to pay for special trainings of judges and staff and to develop the program. Currently, Johnson County has a drug treatment court as well as a veterans program. Next year, it will launch a mental health court. As of 2020, there are 138 treatment courts on the Missouri side, according to the state, many of them clustered around Kansas City. Johnson County District Judge Timothy McCarthy oversees the Veterans Court, one of two in Kansas. He says it opened the door for other specialty courts. We couldn't get traction uh, on adult drug court 10 years ago, but we did get traction on Veterans Treatment Court because everybody acknowledged, you know, here's a group that we ought to extend a hand to, somebody that deserves a second chance or veterans. 62 people have completed the program since it launched in 2016. There were initially skeptics who framed the program as an out from punishment, but McCarthy says it's a lot more work than probation. Our veterans have to go through evaluations. They have to go to treatment. They get tested twice a week for one to two years for drugs and alcohol. Uh, They have to report to their probation officer. They have to stay in touch with their veteran mentor. Not everyone graduates. McCarthy says he estimates about two-thirds make it through. But studies show people who make it through drug courts commit fewer crimes during and after their court supervision. The same is true for mental health courts. Tim DeWeese is the executive director of the Johnson County Mental Health Center. He says the regular court system doesn't get to the root cause that land people in legal trouble. If we basically send that individual who's non-treated through the court process, the likelihood that once they get done with that court process of it happening again because they haven't gotten treatment is high. 
In October, the Johnson County Board of Commissioners accepted a grant for more than $300,000 to develop a mental health court program. The plan is to have the court up and running in about one year and serving about 50 people in its first two years. DeWeese says the court will also save taxpayers' money because the services keep people out of jail and prison, which are far more expensive. He says if these courts might help further destigmatize mental health issues in the community, that would be a welcome bonus. Several organizations, including the U.S. Department of Justice and the National Institute of Justice, provide ongoing grants for jurisdictions hoping to establish specialty courts. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Noah Taborda. People in the Midwest and the Great Plains are used to severe thunderstorms and tornadoes. One weather phenomenon that's becoming a more common part of their vocabulary, derechos. A year ago, a derecho swept across the central U.S., including Kansas and Missouri, bringing damaging winds and tornadoes and killing at least five people. Harvest Public Media's Katie Pikus reports scientists are grappling with what the future of those storms could look like. On December 15th last year, it was unusually warm in central Iowa, 70 degrees, when a derecho blew through. It hit Matt Thompson's seed and fertilizer application business. There was a building there. You could see the pad still sitting there, the gravel. That's where one of the buildings was. Lost Grove Ag Services near Harcourt, Iowa, lost five of its six buildings. Thompson recalls getting to the business early the next morning to survey the damage. And when the sun came up, it was... We didn't know what we were going to do. It was pretty devastating to see. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget that. Derechos are widespread, long-lived windstorms, and this derecho was unique. The first recorded in December anywhere in the U.S. Wind gusts exceeded 80 miles per hour. The straight-line winds and tornadoes that accompanied left nearly $2 billion in damage, stretching from Kansas to Michigan. Iowa, in particular, has been caught in the crosshairs of derechos over the last couple of years. Bill Gallus is a meteorology professor at Iowa State University. He says derechos thrive on warm, humid air in the atmosphere's lower levels, creating thunderstorms, something the Midwest often has. Those thunderstorms are able to tap into very strong winds happening higher up in the atmosphere, even up toward the jet stream, so that they can bring those strong winds down to the ground. That is what happened in the recent December 2021 derecho in the Midwest. There isn't a lot of research on derechos, so scientists say it's hard to know how they'll fare in a warming Earth. Gallus says there's more energy in the atmosphere as it warms, and that could pave the way for more powerful and more frequent derechos. Since derechos like warm, humid air, you're probably going to be seeing them in places or at times of the year where you didn't see them before. So they may be starting to happen more to the north. But scientists can't say for sure, and some attribute the uncertainty to the fact that there's no official database for derechos like there is for hurricanes or tornadoes where they can look for historic trends. That's something the National Weather Service is working on. Matthew Elliott is a warning coordination meteorologist based in Norman, Oklahoma. He says derechos have no formal definition. When you hear the word derecho, it's got to trigger something. It's got to trigger that this is the worst windstorm that I'm going to see. 
Once they have a label and better data, Elliot says it'll make forecasting derechos easier and will give people more warning to get to safety. The National Weather Service has improved the alert system. That's after a highly destructive derecho hit Iowa and Illinois back in August 2020, killing four people. Now when a severe thunderstorm warning is issued with strong winds of at least 80 miles per hour, people get an alert on their phones. But Northern Illinois University atmospheric scientists and disaster geographer Walker Ashley says more should be done with urban planning and building codes. We build at the bare minimum standards in this country, and that has all sorts of consequences from heating costs to damage within extreme damaging wind events. After all, Ashley says as cities grow and sprawl out, they're putting more people in harm's way of extreme weather, like derechos. I'm Katie Pikus, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including KCUR. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Noah's story on specialty courts and Katie's story on derechos, visit kcur.org, where you can find more news covering the Midwest from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll hear from Missouri's Secretary of State on why he wants more control over materials in library collections. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.